if you don't have incredible guys and gals on your team, thinking about this stuff every day, pushing the limits, bringing their own personal playbooks. That's the beauty of when companies start to grow, then you start to go get, you get folks out there that have done this time and time again. They, they come into your business with a playbook of, of thoughts and ideas for how they can roll with it. So team is definitely number one. And I think even growing CXC and with all the, the companies we work with, that's what I see all the time. It's that definitely that first pillar of team is being one of the most critical places to start. Welcome to the Simple Brand Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you create simple experiences for your customers and for your team members. Each week, we're bringing you amazing interviews with business leaders and authors who will teach you how to differentiate your business with the one thing your customers need the most, simplicity. Your customers live in a complex world. Let's make it simple. Now here's your host, Matt Lyles. Helping you create loyal customers and loyal employees all through the power of simplicity. This is the Simple Brand Podcast, now heard around the world, including Tokyo, Japan. Domo origato gozaimasu, listeners. I'm your host, Matt Lyles, and this week I'm talking with Adrian Brady Chisana. Adrian's one of the leading voices in the customer experience industry, and he's the founder and chief experience officer of CX Chronicles, where they provide customer experience and customer success managed services to help their clients evolve into a customer-focused mindset. And Adrian's the host of the CX Chronicles podcast, where he talks with customer-focused business leaders from around the world to share their perception of Adrian's four CX pillars team, tools, process, and feedback. Adrian and I dig into understanding his four pillars of CX. Now, these are the foundational pieces that make up any thriving customer experience system. And we also talk about why happiness as a habit is the underlying driver behind an outstanding customer experience and an outstanding employee experience. So here it is. Here's my interview with Adrian Brady Chisana. Hey, Adrian. Welcome to the show. Hey, Matt. Thanks so much for having me today, man. Super pumped to be here with you. Yeah. Well, you know, you and I have had a few meetings together, a few discussions, just geeking out around customer experience. And I've enjoyed that. But I want to make sure that we can have another discussion where other people could listen in and other people could benefit from us, too. 100%, man. I I think you and I, from our first conversation together, Matt, we have have the same type of thing, man. Nothing is more entertaining or more fun than talking about customer experience, employee experience, customer success, all the different ways that customer-focused business leaders in today's world think about this stuff and how they talk about this stuff. So I'm pumped, man. I'm excited to be here and and, and I'm super excited uh, to chat with you today. Yeah. Well, before we get into your pillars that you've crafted, one of the things I want to talk about, one of the ideas that you focus on in customer experience is it's actually right there above your head on your banner. It's make happiness a habit. So talk to me about the relationship between happiness and customer experience. A hundred percent. I've spent a lot of time thinking and talking about this, but Make happiness a habit really kind of came from a simple place, Matt. Number one, um, if you want to build an incredible world-class customer experience or employee experience, it's really kind of simple. You need to think about what are the things that are happening on the day-to-day or across your journey, or uh, whether that's your customer journey or employee journey, that creates happiness. Things that make your make your customers want to come back and spend more money. Things that make your customers want to go tell 10 of their friends about how great you are as a business or as a brand or as a service. And then I do a lot of flipping on the CX and the EX game, Matt. But same thing with work, man. Like I I say this all the time and people kind of almost, they look like they've never heard it before, but we literally spend more time at work than we do with our family, our best friends, and the people that we want to be spending our time with. So make happiness a habit kind of, it came from this world of really kind of thinking about what are the things that happen inside of a journey or inside of an experience that create happiness. And and we kind of ran with it, man. So a lot of the work that we do today at CX Chronicles, it's really about helping our customers understand how they can make happiness a habit within their business. Yeah. Well, and I love that you understand, and like most CX leaders do, is that there's the value of customer experience and the value of employee experience. And at the foundational level, 
a number of the same lessons and the same needs and same requirements go into both of those equally. And, you know, focusing on the feeling and focusing on the, on a feeling of happiness is integral to both. A hundred percent agree. It's crazy how many of the, you know, the leading principles of thought around CX optimization or building excellent CX, they absolutely just flip right over a mirror to EX. So I completely agree, Matt. And the other thing too, is it's like, we're in an interesting part of human existence right now, right? Our world is in a very interesting place, right? And I'll leave it there so we don't get into the wonderful politics of it. But like, (laughs) it's such a simple way for anybody who's building a business, managing a team, leading a team, right? Coaching a team to kind of think about it, right? Where it's like the, the simple thought of what are the things that you can do to create happiness? And what are the ways that you're going to continue to innovate and iterate um, and keeping things simple. And this is why I was pumped to be here today, Matt, right? Yeah. Keeping things simple, right? Like the simple brand pocket where it's like, there's enough complexity in the world. There's enough angst in the world. There's enough anxiety in the world. How can we as customer focused business leaders just keep things simple? And for us, make happiness habit was one of the biggest ways we could do it. There you go. And so when you think about where we are today, 2022, we've had so much technological advance, so much great technology that serves us in a number of ways in our lives. With that technology has come a lot of complexity. But on the flip side, with that technology has come a much easier use in choices, choosing who we do business with, choosing who we want to be employed by. And it's made it a lot easier. It's made it so much easier for customers to switch from one brand to another. It's also made it a lot easier for employees to switch from one employer to another. And we're experiencing what a number of people are are now starting to talk about is uh, me commerce or the me economy, um, where focusing on individuals and recognizing that individuals have individual preferences and they have their individual feelings. So as much as you can help an individual feel happiness in their journey, whether it's the customer journey or the employee journey, like that's what's going to create loyalty for them. Big time, 100%. And I'm glad you brought this up early, Matt, which is, it's just this idea of modern consumers, modern customers. We have had uh, a wild shift of expectations over the last decade, right? And we can thank companies like Amazon and companies like Uber and companies like Grubhub, right? We've literally, things have gotten almost scary easy. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm just, think about it. Like you can literally go on to Amazon today and maybe, depending on what market you're in, if you're in a major market in the US, you can get stuff dropped off at your door later this afternoon. That's wild, right? Or, or you're thinking about companies like like Uber, and I know I know not everyone is using that. Some, but in big cities, like you can literally get all the way from the bottom of Manhattan to the top of Manhattan just by pushing a button on your phone, and all of a sudden this car shows up, and you just start like <laughs> you know. What, so, so I think it's it's there's been a really interesting shift in customer expectations, and I I think you know to a certain extent that that's one of the reasons why so many companies and so many executive teams in today's world they're thinking about how they can simplify what they're going to be able to do. Are they going to be able to do things um, fast? Are they going to be able to do things really, really well? Or are they going to be able to do things really, really cheap or cost effectively? And I think that this is an interesting time, man. This is an interesting time to be an entrepreneur. It's a super interesting time to be a business executive or business leader that's that's running those ranks and really kind of thinking about what the roadmap or thinking about the path is going to look like. But I also think the eternal uh, optimist in me, I still think that this is one of the most incredible times, Matt, in human in the existence of humans to be able to build a company, build a team, build a product, build a service. It's just a super, super interesting time for entrepreneurs and for business people out there. It is so long as business leaders uh, keep that curiosity and keep that focus on recognizing that that there's that need to innovate with the times. There's that need to continue to evolve as things move forward, because otherwise they will be left in the lurch. Uh, a thousand percent agree. I mean, we look at what COVID showed us, Matt, right? There was yeah. essentially... Yeah, there was two camps in the world, and I don't care what your industry is or what your will or your where is that you're selling. There's two camps. There was one camp that got smoked by COVID. They weren't ready to go remote. They, to your point, they didn't have the technology or the software that's required to keep everything up in the cloud, keep things online, keep your customers and your team working without missing a beat. As long as you're internet, you're good to go. 
And there was a lot of companies that lost a tremendous amount of revenue and a tremendous amount of customers, many of which probably never to come back, right? And then there's this cluster of companies that crushed it, right? Like the worst thing that had ever happened in in, in human history in almost 100 years. And there's companies that just dominated and then they accelerated and they almost planted these flags around some of the things that we're talking about, which is, hey, this is a new world, different time, different expectations on the consumer side, different expectations on the employee side too, right? Because right after COVID, we watched this wild great resignation happen. You watched, you went from the thinking the world was going to end and thinking that everything might finally be, you know, hitting the fan to all of a sudden, like millions of people are just leaving their employers and they're walking across the street and they're getting 25% raises and extra weeks of PTO. And they get to have all the responsibility and the autonomy that they want for their teams or their departments. It's a wild time, man. So again, it's, it's very much one of those interesting pieces where for, for us, we need to be thinking about how we can kind of tie some of those learnings back to our own businesses and to our own teams. And when we talk about all these different foundational levels that go into employee experience, that go into customer experience. Alongside that, I think that leaders need to make sure that they and the leaders that they surround themselves with do not become complacent and arrogant. So it's still having that focus on CX and having that focus on EX and at the same time recognizing, you know what, you may be great today, But tomorrow, there could be somebody completely better than you. Tomorrow, your customer's expectations are going to change. So don't become complacent. Don't become arrogant. Yeah, you're spot on. And Matt, we're living in a world where think about how many different businesses and brands have been able to disrupt the space. And within two, three, four, five years, these companies are not only disrupting an entire space, an entire industry, they're going public. They're figuring out how to put together a hundred million dollars of annual revenue. They've got a thousand people working at the company. And like, I mean, traditionally companies were built like that. They took decades, right? They took years upon years upon years of building, growing, cultivating, innovating, et cetera. And we're in an interesting time now, man, where we're watching rocket ships or unicorns, whatever you want to call them. There's a lot of them running around out there. There are. Well, you know, and and there's another cautionary tale around that, too, I think, that we've seen with a few brands that have grown too fast. So I think one of those other views is, you know, if you're able to grow exponentially right now and you're growing because you have the same because you view the future as being exactly as it is today or being on the exact same trend as it is today then be very careful about that because there are a number of companies um you know I now there's 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 nuances to this but I look at Peloton as an example so <laughs> yeah, right. during the pandemic there were certain things that happened that made Peloton that gave Peloton the ability to grow exponentially. I don't know how much they thought into the future of, okay, what happens in a post-pandemic world? Did they simply assume that they would continue on the same trend? Well, we know that they didn't. So excellent example. And maybe let's add one more layer to this, which is, and I know you talk about this a lot on your show, Matt. You're always bringing this up. and And I love this about your show. And I love this about some of the way that you kind of bring this up. But, or it depends on what the executive focus is really all about, right? Because with your Peloton example, there's an there might there may or may not have been a cluster of executives who had an opportunity to maximize the value of their business and maximize probably their personal gain. And then to your point, almost zero forward visibility around how are we going to get what happens when half the population goes back to work what happens when 75% of the population goes back to work and then thinking about some of the additional services or the additional products that they could have been bringing yeah. us while they had our attention and they had all of our focus i'm not going to lie to you and this is this is this is don't hate me on this one but like I'm 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 guilty of it. Our, our our Peloton was getting a lot more use during COVID than it has been over the last 12 months. So there's no way that I'm the only one that's in that position, right? And I think it's a really interesting example that you bring up around how you constantly got to be thinking ahead, looking ahead. I call it like almost like horizon-based visibility. If you don't have a group of individuals within your business constantly looking on the horizon. What's happening on the horizon, right? Is the weather changing? Are there different ships coming in? Are there different things that we need to be focused on or or getting ready to react or or getting ready to proactively build for, right? So there's yeah. such an interesting time, man, to see some of this in flight. Yeah, well, and we can Monday morning quarterback it all day long. But the point is making sure that you've got 
at least someone who is high enough in the organization to help you start looking ahead and saying, here are the possible scenarios and here's what we see possibly happening in the long-term future, in the near-term future, and then based on that, how can we plan for that? I mean, again, I don't want to Monday morning quarterback this, but if I were Peloton (laughs) and I was looking at, okay, a post-pandemic environment where, sure, more people may still be staying at home working remotely than before, but a lot more companies are trying to encourage their employees to come back to work Well, what if we as Peloton, instead of focusing just on the individuals at home, what if we work with corporations and their facilities to offer Peloton at the office? You know? Yep, 100%. Here are small gyms, and now you've got Peloton at the office. That may be one more thing that could have helped the situation. I agree with that. And then think about it. It goes right back to what we've been talking about since the launch of the episode, which is really that type of stuff fuels both your CX and your EX, right? So like, if you're thinking about how you can make, and you're right, a lot of companies did drop people back. I think the other thing too, I'll just say, because I, I think it's half and half, but I think half your listeners are probably agree with this, but like a lot of people wanted to get back. A lot of people wanted to get out of their house. They wanted to get out of the home office. They wanted to, as much as they love their wife and their kids, they want to get away from those people for a little while, right? Before, um, you know, but you're right. There's ideas like that and there's different calls to action that companies can be taking that I think that tomorrow's leading businesses or the most innovative companies, they're going to be thinking about this stuff, man. They're going to be thinking about all the different ways that they can really incorporate what types of activities is going to continue to promote excellent, incredible customer experiences within their business and what types of activities or just investments, let's call it what it is, man. Cause some of the stuff yeah. just simply comes down to investments, which again, back to the point of like, is your executive team in a position where they're actually willing to not just talk the talk, but are they going to walk the walk when it comes to spending the money, making the decisions and knighting the right type of executive sponsors to make this stuff trickle down throughout your business, to make, make this stuff trickle down throughout your customer portfolio and your team. And I think one of the things that would help with officers and executives buying into that investment is breaking down silos in organizations. Because a lot of times we look at how our individual organizations performing and we don't focus as much on the other organizations, the other functional areas or everyone across the entire organization. So we may think, okay, we're tied to the metrics and their measurement and the performance of our own organization. But if we look at every other functional area, we look at everything as a whole, then we're more easily to buy into making these investments that would provide a higher return with that employee retention when you're focusing across the board. A hundred percent agree. You know, the, one of the big things we spend a ton of time with our clients at CXC customer journeys. So like, I know that some people, not everyone feels as strongly or not everyone feels as keen around whether or not customer journey mapping or employee journey mapping or product journey mapping is like the number one thing that your business needs to do today. But Matt, What I tell people constantly, which you just said, I'm so pumped that you brought this up. Those journey maps give people blueprints. It it gives you finally an opportunity where when you think about a customer journey, let's go start with the customer journey. And you're thinking about all the different ways that a customer might even become aware that you exist as a business or as a brand or as a product or service before they can even think about considering you as a potential option that they might want to spend money on. And then getting into the conversion part, right? Where then when your sales team and your marketing team's getting closer, where, hey, we've got awareness, we've got consideration, let's convert them, let's make them a customer, let's make them a paying customer. Then you get to the onboarding side. And then after onboarding, you're talking about account management, loyalty, and retention. But like taking the time to look through, number one, just all of the different steps or touch points or just things that a customer is going through. And this is always my favorite part of some of the client work that we're doing at CC, but also map along right alongside that, the things that your employees are doing. Because you're spot on, man. Number one, it gives a blueprint for what's happening in the organization. And then number two, it's where you're starting to do uh, a media assessment around strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, and then what we what we call our CTAs, right? For, once you kind of start going through the swatting on this, you could start dialing up your calls to action, the key CTAs that'll make change, that'll help you with innovating, that'll help with optimization. And I know... For me and in my experience, that's the stuff that customers want to give their money to companies that are constantly thinking about that. And the best employees and the best, most intelligent workers on planet Earth, they want to work at companies that are, are constantly thinking about that. Oh, yeah. And when you lay all of that out, when you provide that blueprint, 
it gives you that visibility of the customer, which is super important. And like, like, just like you mentioned, it also gives you visibility of your employees, the employees and teams and functional areas that are aligned with all those interactions in the customer journey. And when you've got visibility in that, you're then able to recognize and understand, okay, how am I making the employees, how, how am I, uh, setting the employees up for success in these yep. interactions. So in these interactions, can we truly say that our employees have all the resources they need to be successful in that interaction? Big time. And and it's just when you mentioned the, the different type of silos or the different type of tranches within a business, different teams, different departments, Matt, you're starting to you're starting to create some of the either content or the information or the tribal knowledge that can start to educate some of the other folks that maybe you don't get to work with, right? Maybe sales and marketing naturally work together closely on different initiatives or different outreach campaigns or different things that you're trying to do to get customers into the door on certain certain things. Maybe it's really common for, for your dev and your customer success to work together commonly because they're kind of always thinking about customer issues, inbounding queries, changes, updates, bugs, that type of fun stuff. And then maybe it's common for you know other teams and departments to work together. But the last thing is just like, some of the stuff that we love um, seeing with our with our client work around the journey mapping side, or even playbook curation, or FAQ or knowledge based curation, yeah. you're allowing your business, and you're allowing. And I don't care if it's a ten thousand person company or a hundred person company, you're allowing some key documentation or chronicling to what the story is across the business. And that's a big part of, of the work that we do. And that's a big part of where I think one of the simplest things that you got to get started on if you're thinking about key ways you can improve your CX or your EX, it's chronicling, it's mapping, it's documenting, and it's socializing that stuff as much as you possibly can, right? And it just makes your business smarter. It makes your business smarter, makes your organization smarter. And you start to have some of that that natural rub off on your different teams and your different departments so they can have a more holistic understanding of what your customers are going through. Absolutely right. Everyone wants to feel valued, whether it's your customer, whether it's your employees. And one of the ways that your employees feel valued is when they understand the overall story that's being played here across the organization. And then when they understand the exact role that they get to play within that story. And it helps them in understanding their exact role when they can understand, you know, they don't have to get too deep into it, but when they can understand at a high level, the other roles and the other players in that story. Completely agree. It's it's almost like, it's like nobody goes to a movie or nobody goes to a play without at least understanding what's the story about, right? At a high yeah. level, what's the story yeah. about? Who are the characters or who are the, the, the players, right? Who are the, the people that are actually going to be telling the story or being a part of the story? And then lastly, you're right, Matt. It's like, it's it's just this idea of you wouldn't go do that, right? Or I guess sometimes you do. It depends. It depends on what your yeah. preference are. But like most people want to have a basic high level understanding or a trailer of what they're going in to see so that they can actually start to make sense of it. And then they can also be a bit more engaged and have a bit more of a sense for sort of how they can react once they get into that type of a, of a situation. Did you know that in addition to my podcast and my articles, I speak to audiences all over to help them simplify their customer experience and simplify their employee experience. I've spent the last few years leading a crusade of simplicity across the globe. If you want a winning brand, you have to provide a simple experience to your customers and to your team members. Whether it's a live event or a virtual event, I'd love to partner with you and teach your audience how to do just that. With over a decade in marketing, I know how to hook and captivate an audience. And as a speaker, I know how to connect with that audience. Along with my lessons, I use stories and humor to keep everyone engaged and inspired. Then they leave with the knowledge and next steps to transform their business. As an event planner, you're managing lots of details to give your audience the most memorable event. The last thing you need is a speaker who will make your event memorable for all the wrong reasons. Not only will I leave your audience energized and inspired, I'll make it easy for your team to work with me. Hey, if I've built my brand around simplicity, then you know I'm going to make it simple for you. When you visit mattliles.com speaking, 
You'll find everything you need to know, including details on my topics, promotional materials, and most importantly, a link to connect with my team so we can book your event. So visit mattliles.com slash speaking. I can't wait to help your audience brand out from the crowd. You mentioned a, like a play, a stage production. If every single person that works on that play needs to know beyond just their own role, because otherwise it could just fall apart. They need to understand what the other players are going to be doing and what they're going to be saying so that they can react to that at the right time. This is so important too, because a lot of companies forget about the behind the scenes people as well. Big time. So even Big time. beyond just the customer facing people, the people behind the scenes, you know, if, if you're running a play, the person who's in charge of lighting, you know, they need to know when and where certain players are going to be on a stage so they can know where to shine the light. I equate that to our companies and those functional areas that are behind the scenes that may not ever see or interact with a customer. You think about finance and accounting, like those people that don't interact with customers, but their actions and their decisions impact the customer. 100%. So a couple of media thoughts on this. Number one, I promise you, I speak at an exhausting length about how CX and customer success in today's world, number one, it is a team sport. Yeah. So I'm thrilled that you're bringing this up because some people need help understanding. You mentioned like accounting and finance and and maybe even technology and DevOps and some of these, some of these, these different types of roles that maybe don't think about themselves as like customer facing. But those folks are 100% a part of building, managing, leading the customer journey that you're building, right? Whatever your business is or whatever your offerings are. I think that's huge, Matt. I think it's absolutely huge. Yeah. Well, we've talked about a lot of lessons on being able to manage CX and EX at that foundational level. But you've created what you believe are the essential building blocks of a winning customer experience and operation. And you call them your four CX pillars, right? That's correct, sir. Yep. <laughs> Can you walk me through those? 100%. So a couple of things. So Matt, I spent almost 10 years in New York City working at a plethora of different venture capital-backed startup companies. And I had the incredible um, opportunity to build CX and CS teams from the ground up at a, at a number of different companies. And early in my career, and even to this day, you hear a lot of executives talk about People, process, and product, right? The three Ps. You hear this all the time. It's on every podcast. It's in every book. You got all the, all the leading you know, Fortune 500 executives talk about people, process, product. By the time I got to my second, my third CX construction team, Matt, it wasn't totally working for me, man. I, I kept having these run-ins with our executive team or challenges we were having with our customer portfolio or challenges we were having with our product or usability, our deliverability, which is another big one, right? A lot of times, one of the biggest keys to incredible customer experience, deliver what you're selling, right? It's as simple as that. Expect Expectation setting and deliverability. And people process product wasn't working for me. And I kept thinking there was these four areas that I kept seeing. And again, this was very much on a CX and a CX type of focus lens, but there was these four areas that I just kept seeing again and again and again. And the first was team, right? How are you going to go about building a team of incredible humans who understand why they're there, understand what the mission is, understand directionally where you're going, right? Nobody wants to get on an airplane or a ship if they don't know where it's going, right? It's got to have some sense for where the hell you're going. It's, it's It seems pretty, pretty straightforward, but a lot of people don't take the time to necessarily think about the directional piece, right? So team was huge. Second one was tools. And this is something that I love technology. I have so many friends that have built incredible SaaS technology companies. We've worked with incredible SaaS technology companies, and we're partnered with a bunch of incredible SaaS te technology companies at, at, at here at CXC. But tools kept being in this interesting place where, number one, we would see a wild misusage of the tools that these companies were oftentimes buying and trying to build upon. And then usability and utilization was always waning, man. It was like, wait a minute, we've got 10 tools. It looks like six, seven, eight of these things are, aren't even getting used. Or there's two or three people on a team of 100 that use them. And they're wondering why we don't have visibility or comprehension or clarity around 
what they're trying to do with it. So there's always this interesting breakup of tool consternation within these teams. And by the way, tools is interesting because for our listeners today, Matt, like tools is one of the easiest places where if you don't have some type of drumbeat or some type of pulse check going on on a regular basis for how your customers are interpreting the way that you're using your tools or using your tech stack or building your tech stack and your employees, that is an easy place to start, man, because a lot of employee consternation comes from having too many tools and not having those tools talking to each other and having fragmented pictures or visibility around what's happening within your business, right? So tools was always this constant one that we were, a constant drum that we were banging on. And then now we live, as you mentioned earlier in the episode, Matt, we live in a in a world now where every single solitary day, I don't know about you, but every day I get up and I sit down on my computer and I'm looking at the next 10 companies that have just raised tens of millions of dollars to build yet another tool. When I look at these articles, I'm like, damn, that's funny. There's already like literally a hundred tools that do that. So, okay, well, but and it's good. And, I, and this yeah. is the beauty of the world that we live in, right? It's cool yeah. that people are going to continue to build, iterate and expand the way the tools can work. There's opportunities. Yeah. hundred percent. And then the other thing too is not all tools do what people want. That's a big part of why so many technology and SaaS founders, they thought that certain leading companies had it partially, but they didn't do the next three things. And that's kind of why they go build their tools. But so tools was one space that we spent a ton of time. The third pillar of process was interesting. Most of my background, Matt, and most of the client work that we do today at CX Chronicles, we're working with growth-focused companies, startup companies, founders, executive leadership teams at companies that are growing. To our point earlier, they're trying to disrupt spaces that might be antiquated. They're trying to come up with new things, new services, and new products that are going to really kind of change the trajectory of their space's customer base, right? And process kept coming kept coming up because when you're building these companies, there is so much change happening every single solitary day, every single solitary week, every single month, every quarter, that if somebody wasn't chronicling or documenting or capturing all of these changes and then socializing it, Matt, like, come on, what's the point of having a bunch of super smart people at a business if you're not going to look at maybe the top three changes that happened for this month and have a talk with a broader team of SMEs across your business. And again, this is another way that you can start to get more of that understanding of how it is a team sport, right? How building customer experience and building employee experience, it's all of us. It's not just the CX or the EX guy or gal. That's not what it is. So process was a really interesting space because we were constantly thinking about ways that we could build our playbooks and expand our FAQs and come up with more interesting knowledge-based content that people would want to engage with or that your agents would want to engage with, the people that are talking to customers every day. And then the last one, the fourth pillar of feedback, And Matt, I promise you, I know that EX is getting super duper duper hot, but even 10 years ago in Manhattan, man, I would be having these conversations with our executive leadership team about, all right, here's what our customers are saying this month. Here's our MPS. Here's our CSAT. Here's some of the product satisfaction scoring, customer effort scoring. And we would do all the stuff. We would do all the different ways that you could capture, you know, sentiment and, and, and what people loved and what people hated. But what I was doing is I would also always take time on a monthly basis to build out like voice of employer report where I'd say, so here's what your customers are saying. And now here's what your voice of employees are saying. And I would typically do a couple of things. It wouldn't be just the customer facing folks. I would try to get some time with the de- with, with our engineers. I'll try to get some time with our finance. I'll try to get some time to what we're talking about. All the different people that kind of touch this stuff and have different ways of thinking about it, different, literally have different expertise, right? Your salespeople have a totally different set of expertise than people that are building your financial reporting, right? It's It's just what it is. But what I started to realize was like aggregating some of that voice of customer and that voice of employee gold became a really, really excellent way of having the whole business be kind of in tune with what is what's going on and what some big opportunities or some big threats are uh, at a given time. So that's really how the how the how the four CX pillars were born. So team, tools, process, and feedback. Those are the four. Yes, sir. Those are the four pillars. So out of those, would you say that any one of those four is more important or more foundational than the others? So awesome question. I think (laughs) I ask this a lot on our podcast, Matt. So I ask this all the time in the CX Chronicles podcast. I feel like 98% of the time, our guests, they say team. They say team is number one. And everybody says the same exact thing. Adrian, how do you build an incredible tech stack? Or how do you build a world-class you know, FAQ base, or how do you get, you know, exceptional at capturing and building voice of customer reporting and voice of employee reporting or product reporting. If you don't have incredible guys and gals on your team, thinking about this stuff every day, pushing the limits, 
bringing their own personal playbooks. That's the beauty of when companies start to grow, then you start to go get, you get folks out there that have done this time and time again. They, they come into your business with a playbook of, of thoughts and ideas for how they can roll with it. So team is definitely number one. And I think even growing CXC and with all the, the companies we work with, that's what I see all the time at. It's that definitely that first pillar of team as being one of the most critical places to start. I'm glad you said that because that's what my assumption was. And when you go back to what we were talking about earlier and think about where we are today, where individuals have so many more choices and have much more ease in how they can choose to do business with another company or choose to go be employed elsewhere. If you focus on that aspect and focus on those people, then you can recognize how you offer the right system of tools, how you offer and manage the right processes, and how you offer and know what to measure and what to do with the feedback you're getting. Spot on. You just literally nailed it, Matt. That's that's what it Yay. is. It's, it's... <laughs> <laughs> well, what's one of the biggest mistakes that you see companies making with that team pillar? So awesome question. I think depending on what space or what place you're in, that's going to be a big part of it. But one thing that, you know, I've been thinking about a lot lately is there oftentimes there tends to be almost, um, there's like an overthinking on the importance of roles and of titles. Okay. Roles and titles. Okay. And, and it's funny. So I look for a big mature organized business that already understands exactly what it's plugging in and what it needs and where its shortcomings are. Totally bit of a different story. Again, and I'm speaking okay. from from the lens of some of the some of the clients that we're working with where they're still growing, right? There's there might be 50 to 200 people on board. There's a ton of different things that they're still trying to figure out and they're trying to master. There's still there's still many of them are still trying to figure out their product market fit. And then they're they're angling and they're building future product and service opportunities inside of that. That's how they'll lead to their upselling and cross-selling opportunities, right? But over-focusing or becoming uh, a bit too draconian about exactly what the role is going to be and exactly what the title is going to be. That can be risky at times. So I think one of the things that we see with some of our clients is spending less time focusing on what exactly this role or this title is going to look like, but more being focused on what are the things that your customers need the most help with or need the most support on, or just are generally talking about or yammering about the most. And then same thing on the team side. So you're constantly doing that mirroring of your, what are your, what are your customers saying? What are your employees saying? And really kind of thinking about how instead of almost over pushing things into it's a CTO, so you need to be focused just on the technology piece and just just on the development piece. Thinking about the things that your customers are asking for, thinking about the things that your employees are actually asking for. And then in general, you're looking for ways where people aren't showing up and starting to build those silos or building those areas of, well, that's not my job. That's not my camp. That's not my team. That's not my department. But actually starting to build a more open type of environment where people understand that they're there to solve problems. They're there to overcome obstacles. They're there to build CTAs and calls to action that are going to drive innovation and are going to continue to drive business forward into the future. So that would be one of the first places that I would start. So it sounds like having that flexibility, and does it have to be 100% flexibility, but allowing for some room of flexibility for how things need to be defined and maybe even making sure that when you're hiring the right people, that you're hiring people that are comfortable with flexibility, knowing that for the most part, this is the area where you operate and this is the this is what your role is, but it's not 100% exact. You can't just have blinders on. And I think to the military, like the term commander's intent Meaning okay. here's here's your goal. Your goal is this major objective over here. Exactly how you do that goal will be up to you and your team so long as you meet this goal here. I like that. I think that it's a super interesting concept. And, and again, I think you nailed them out where sometimes by putting over bridling or over shaping or forming, yeah. it stifles creativity. It stifles yeah. innovation. It stifles Maybe the, maybe the leader and the team needs to come up with what that path is to get to the top of that hill or what, what the different steps are going to be or what the most important stuff is, right? Maybe there's a few different things that are going to be the most important steps to getting to the top of the hill in the commander example, right? And I think you're right where I think that 
again, as companies evolve and as they get more mature, it's a little bit different. You need your players in specific parts of the pitch. But man, I think for companies that are going to be thinking about how they can remain innovative, how they can remain creative, and how they can continue to remain in a position where they're able to disrupt, even if they are already an industry leader or they're an emerging industry leader, I think that's going to be one of the biggest competitive advantages that customer-focused business leaders can bring into the future. Yeah. Yeah, I I think so. Well, when we talk about leadership, when it comes to thriving as a leader in the customer experience space, what do you think are the ideal habits and the ideal values that a thriving customer experience leader would have? So, okay. Number one is definitely spending time working and listening to your customers on a regular basis. I was just at uh, last week, Matt, I was at um, a churn zero big rig event in Washington, DC, and they had all these incredible customer experience, customer success leaders meet up in Washington to talk about all the stuff that me and you are always thinking about, right? What are what are ways you can build teams? How do you keep customers engaged? How do you keep employees engaged? What type of tools are you need to be thinking about? And the number one thing that I kept hearing people talk about for what are you going to be your number one primary focus sets or focus areas as we move into the new year? Time with customers, number one. So I think like you have to make time for your customers. It's the easiest way that you keep a pulse. Look, look, I've been a part of building and leading some really big teams too, where I know how this is, guys, as you take some of these larger roles, you have a team of people that speak to your customers every day. So then in effect, you think because you're talking with your team who talks to customers all damn day, that you got the pulse, you got the idea. Nothing is better than a ride along or a drive along or a pop in or a Zoom chat or whatever it is that you guys are doing where you can just get time with customers. So that'd be number one. The second big one, it's the flip of it, man. It's the time with your customer-facing team. On the CX and the CS side, Matt, we'll spend a lot of time with our clients at CXC really kind of helping them think about how to leverage or how to master the art of the customer portfolio. So we spend a lot of time thinking about customer portfolio reviews. And so for many of our listeners, everyone has different iterations and different ways that they kind of go line by line by line by line through all the different customers that you have. And some some businesses, look, Matt, someone like you, you were at FedEx for all those years, right? How many customers did you guys have? Doing line by line on FedEx customer portfolio would take forever, right? It would take forever. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, But think about it though. For most businesses, Once you understand who your customer-facing team is and you know who's kind of taking care of different tranches of your customer portfolio, as a a CXCS leader, man, spending time with your team on a weekly basis, going through the challenges, the struggles, the opportunities, folks that are maybe already showing us leading indicators of potential churn, folks that are showing us potential leading indicators for uptick, for upsell, cross-sell. Maybe they just told us that we're, we're killing it for them and now they want to spend more money. Or- Customer success and customer experience qualified leads, man. Not enough companies are doing a really good job of leveraging their CX and their CS team to say, hey, man, okay, on these 100 customers that we just ran through, they just gave us the next 50 leads that our marketing and our sales team needs to start going after tomorrow because they've had such a great experience and they've had such a great uh, time working with our product, working with our service, working with our team. Here's the next 50 leads for you. Here you go. Go after them. And those CS qualified leads, by the way, they're cheaper. They convert at a much higher rate. Yeah. And frankly, they're people that already know a little bit about you. So like when you do start the process and you start to bring them into your funnel, there are there's already some engagement. They're already on board, right? Somebody already yeah. told them that things could be really good. So definitely customer time, your team time. And then the last one, I'm just throwing this one out there on the cuff right now, but sure. you got to be building a culture and an environment where you're making it a safe place to constantly be learning, always be learning, always connecting dots, always putting these different bits of information and these different things that you're learning and you're gathering and you're finding every single week. Someone's got to be putting that stuff together so that whether it's once a month, whether once a quarter, twice a year, I don't care, but there should be summits on that. There should be internal summits within your business around all the opportunities and the CTAs that someone's got to get to work thinking about. There you go. So listening to two different parties, listening and learning. Yes, sir. Another simple example right there, Matt, that makes it so much better. Yeah, it's as simple as that. Awesome. Well, Adrian, last question for you. If you were to create a five-song soundtrack for CX Chronicles and all the work that you do, what songs would you include? (laughs) All right, so number one, I absolutely love this question. This is an awesome question. (laughs) Thank you. So, okay, I'm selfishly going to try to tie these songs back to the pillars. That's how I'm going to try to just Love mentally that. kind of catalog this, but let's go with, okay. So for pillar number one team, I got to throw out the song. One of my absolute favorites, Matt, we are the champions by queen because <laughs> yeah. 
think about it. When anybody thinks about what is a way that you're going to motivate a team, what is a way you're going to get a get a room of people cranked up? You put we are the champions on, and people are ready to run through a wall, right? And it's all about team, and it's all about uh, so much of the process of success, Matt. It's about fighting until the end, man. It's about fighting until the end. It's getting up every damn day, going back to work, going back to the drawing board, going back to whatever it is that you're doing, and just keeping that going. So that'd be my first one. Love it. Pillar number two, tools. Uh, I have to throw out a childhood favorite, my friend. Um, I'm going to have to go with Monkey Wrench by the Foo Fighters because when I think about tools, I, I think it's like it's so easy Again, we talked about this earlier in the episode, but it's just so easy to want to throw another tool at it. Just go get yeah. another tool. Just go spend another. No, nah, we don't need to hire that person or we don't need to give that person a raise. Just go buy another tool. And I just think it's like when I think about monkey ranch, I just think about like you don't want to, you don't want to just be a monkey ranch. You got to come up with the right tool or the optimal tool. What's the best damn tool that you can put in the bag that you're going to be able to comfortably pull out every single solitary time and help you with all the different challenges or all the different jobs in front of you. So that'd be my second one. Number three, pillar number three process. Yeah, I, th- <laughs> I threw a different one out here. Number one, it's because I've been listening to a, a business war podcast, which is an incredible podcast, but it was really about the whole bad boy records and death row records from the nineties from hip hop, right? When the whole East and the West. Yeah. And so I put, I put changes in by Tupac. Cause uh-huh. when you think about process, and you think about all the different ways that as, as customer-focused business leaders, we need to think about our playbooks or our processes yeah. or the different ways and steps. I put this one in because Tupac was always talking about how we needed to change society, change life, change actions, right? That's and right. Uh, I think that for customer-focused business leaders, specifically CX and CSers, we're constantly looking at how we can do things better, sharper, faster. We're thinking about it from a CX lens and EX lens. So I think two pocket changes was was my one that I kind of wanted to throw into with that. The fourth pillar, feedback. This is a different one. And I went on a limb here, Matt, but I'm thinking I thought about Dog Days Are Over by Florence and the Machine. And oh. I, I, I put it in there because if most people, you think about Dog Days, Right. Yeah. Dog days of summer or the traditional meeting was really about the dog days are the hard days. The dog yeah. days are the days that maybe things aren't going great and things are hard and there's yeah. challenges. And I think one of the things that I love about the feedback side is, you know, Florence's song, she talks about uh, how the dog days are over and she talks about it just immediately made me think about companies and customer focused business leaders that are going to think about how they can end their dog days. They got to be people that are leveraging that feedback side. How are you building and investing in your voice of customer? How are you building and investing in your voice of employee to make sure that you're constantly understanding what type of actions or CTAs will allow your business or your customer base to end the dog day? So that was my, my, my fourth one. And then my fifth one, and I told you one of them was just happens to be like my absolute favorite song. Awesome. Last song, Beast of Burden. Beast of Burden by the Rolling Stones. And I think uh, I, I've loved this song, man, since I've been a kid. But a lot of people don't know what Beast of Burden is. The Beast of Burden, the traditional meeting was really about an animal that's intended to carry heavy loads, carry heavy weight, move move things for people. And I tell you, man, now that it's been over 15 years of working in customer-facing roles and customer experience, customer success, man, beast of burden. That's what CX and CSers, man. We're we're constantly carrying the heavy load. We're working with customers. We're working with our internal team. We're shouldering things. We're figuring out all these different things. And frankly, we're showing up every single solitary day and we're trying to make sure that we're continuously pushing the business forward and keeping the business on the track. So those would be my five, Matt. That's it. Wow. I, I love that. No, thank, thank you so much. Like those songs tie so well to your lessons. I love it. Love that playlist. <laughs> An awesome question, by the way. I I, t- I love this question. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I think we we're talking about this earlier. Like so many other podcasts, it's like, what's your favorite book? And you hear a lot of the same books over and over. Like, well, you know, I want to hear what somebody's songs are. <laughs> I like you get to know you get to know somebody too by a little a little a little smattering of what are their favorite songs. You know. I think so. Well, I've learned so much from you and so much from your lessons today. But where can people go to learn more? Hundred um, percent. And number one, Matt, thank you so much for the opportunity today, man. I really, uh, it's been a pleasure yeah. to be on the show. Pleasure to chat with you. Always listen. I'm always learning from you too, man. Our last several conversations, we've had these incredible chats. For people that want to learn more about myself, for some of the work that we're doing at CX Chronicles, check us out at cxchronicles.com. That's the easiest place to get a sense for some of the things that we're doing. I am regularly posting content on LinkedIn as well. So if you want to check me out at Adrian Brady Chizana at LinkedIn, I'm, I'm always happy to to connect and to to learn and to meet with other. Customer focused business leaders. And if folks, if folks want to want to strike up a chat immediately, drop a note at Adrian at CX I'll be happy to get back to you and I'd be happy to, to pick up a conversation. 
There you go. Yeah. Through your podcast, your articles, your content, lots of different ways to learn from you. And then also other ways to learn from you is to actually work with you as well. hundred percent, man. hundred percent. We absolutely love this stuff. And there's truth to, to the whole saying of, you know, when you, when you find something that you really love and you find something that you're really, really passionate about, all these great things come right behind it, man. Yeah. As it does. Cool. Well, Adrian, thank you so much for being here today. hundred percent. Thanks so much, Matt. I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Adrian Brady Chisana. So go and learn more from him at cxchronicles.com. You'll find more deep dives into his lessons around his four pillars of CX. And you'll learn about some of the ways his team is helping others tackle their customer experience and customer success challenges. And they just may be able to help you do the same. And if you like what you heard from Adrian on his customer experience lessons, then check out his podcast, CX Chronicles. You'll hear Adrian and lots of other business leaders dive into customer experience lessons and insights every week. And if you're enjoying this podcast, the Simple Brand Podcast, go ahead and hit the subscribe button because it's going to make it so much simpler for you to get future episodes like the next one featuring Bill Price. Bill was the first global vice president of customer service for Amazon. Today, he's the founder and president of Driva Solutions, where they've helped over 160 companies create highly effective customer contact strategies and operations. And Bill's the co-author of three best-selling customer experience books, including his latest book, The Frictionless Organization, Deliver Great Customer Experiences with less effort. Now, hopefully you've heard me talk about how one of the best ways to simplify your customer experience and make it simple for customers to do business with you is to remove any of the friction throughout the customer experience. Basically, whenever your customer feels frustrated, stressed, or even angry, that's friction. Bill and I discuss his lessons around seeking, finding, and eliminating all that friction that can happen in your customer experience. And more importantly, we discuss how to proactively ensure that the friction doesn't get into the customer experience in the first place. So go ahead and subscribe. You'll automatically get Bill's episode as soon as it's live. Until then, keep it simple. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Simple Brand Podcast. Want to make your listening experience simple and automatically receive each new episode? Visit our website, simplebrandpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. If you're finding value from the Simple Brand Podcast, leave us a rating or review. That helps us get the show to the ears of the people who need it most. Be sure to catch Matt right here next week. Same Matt time, same Matt channel. Until then, keep it simple.